0: The Around the NFL podcast is full of heart from start to finish. Welcome back to another
2: edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hanses, and I'm joined by a room filled with some heroes, Mark Sessler and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, now. I
3: don't need that sound clip coming back into my life.
2: Yeah, that is the famous connection to you and the movie draft day. We'll always be connected to you. And money just brings it right back to the surface, and you're not looking for that. Unwelcome. Unwelcome. The, uh, yes, the Around the NFL podcast, presented of course by Head and Shoulders. This is our week eight uh, recap episode, the flagship program of the Around the NFL podcast. And uh, what a uh, what a week indeed. Well, yeah, it was a good week with a couple great games, including maybe the game of the year, and or at least in the conversation. Greg and we're going to get to it in a minute.
4: The game of the year of the week.
2: Russell Wilson in Seattle holding off Deshaun Watts. We needed
4: that game this week. Yeah, we, we did. It.
2: Yep. Need a little juice, and we got some juice in Seattle. So we got that game to get to. Uh, so every Sunday matchup, and then, of course, we'll end with the Sunday night football matchup between uh, the Steelers and Lions. Um, you know, we're, just hold, we're trying to hold things together here in the NFL media universe after one of the most stunning, stunning lunch orders ever. Chili dogs oh. ordered for the entire media group <laughs> I, how does that even ha- how does that even happen? who is beyond, beyond, behind the order? Um, who decided that an entire newsroom would want that, and who and this is the most important part did not think ahead, do you want to be feeding a group? chili dogs 3 hours into like a 12 hour shift it's just it's not a good thing
3: well these these it's very nice of them in theory to order these lunches so let's start there but they typically come very clearly from an area restaurant of note and I, I just don't – I cannot identify uh, an, a re, an L.A. restaurant that would have created this meal. It feel, where was it made? At a, in a school mm-hmm. kitchen potentially somewhere in, in, in Cardo? Cardover? I don't know. I guess what I'm saying, Greg, is, is Daddy feeling great right now. Daddy feeling Oh, okay. Great. No, That's not. right.
4: I thought you were – when you were saying like that – you know, we're, struck, we're fighting through things. How can we do... I thought you were talking about the absence of Chris Wesseling, who we, we clearly miss, you yes. know, on this program. But no, Absolutely. You, you were bringing it back to the Chili Dogs. Well, the bigger C,
3: the Chili Dog fiasco <laughs> of, of Sunday, Week 8.
2: Now we have the little C, the big C, and then the granddaddy C, Chili Dogs. Let's get into the Sunday game starting, yes, at the Clink. Tight formation. Seattle trying to take the lead. Wilson rolling to his right. Has a man wide open
0: for a touchdown. It's Jimmy Graham. Seattle takes the lead. 33-31.
2: Uh, K-I-R-O, the call there. Russell Wilson's last-minute touchdown connection with, yes, Jimmy Graham sent CenturyLink Field into hysterics and powered the Seahawks to a 41-38 win in one of the best NFL games of the season. I mean, offense galore, a game in which the two quarterbacks Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson uh, threw for almost 500 yards or 1,000 yards combined. That type of game. And Mark uh, Watson uh, was incredible in this game. Four touchdowns, uh, threw for 400, ran for 65 more. uh, But Houston got conservative in the final minutes and ultimately they paid a heavy price.
3: I mean, it's so unusual to have a game where a quarterback is throwing for 400 and something yards and putting the team entirely on his back. In this game... Both quarterbacks did that. 452 yards for Russell Wilson with four touchdowns. Most of that coming in, an, in a heroic second-half performance by him. And Deshaun Watson, who right away made it clear that Seattle's Legion of Boot, he could not have showed any less fear of Richard Sherman firing the ball right at him. DeAndre Hopkins finishes this game with an incredible 224 yards. I mean, making Will wow, Fuller oh. had two touchdowns and 125 yards. Of the run. This offense is a fascinating
4: watch and and they they were the headline for much of this game until Russell Wilson basically said uh-uh. Well the crazy thing is neither of these teams have a traditional running game. I mean the Se- the Seahawks have n- have nothing now. I mean it's crazy. They they can't continue to try to win games like this. Russell Wilson won this game despite getting 3 yards from his running backs, despite not really having much of an offensive line. And oh, by the way, his team gave up 38 points. So as great as Watson was, and he was great, Wilson had that one interception that was under three minutes to go. Watson had a few more mistakes in the game. That was kind of the difference. And ultimately, Seattle's defense did get the stop they needed
2: on the 3rd and 2 where if Texans pick it up late they get the first down and they win. Uh it was 3rd and 4 and it was it looked like it was an option play where Watson could have held on to it or handed it off, handed it off to Lamar Miller who got two, and it made me think about uh, a few weeks back, where all they needed to do was get, what, it was a third and one or third and two against the Patriots. That's right. They stuck it in Lamar Miller's gut that time, and it didn't work that time either, and then they got beat uh, in the final second. So this time, to me, the Patriots game it was frustrating, but at the end of the day, they thought they could get the yard they didn't get. This time, it was overly conservative, and then it's almost as if uh, the the defense, which had... Done their very best. Marcus Williams, who was a former Jet, who got cut, picked up. That should have won the game. They just need a couple first downs, and the game's over. And instead, they went back on the field, Houston. It looked like they weren't even prepared. And by the end of the game, the last play, Jimmy Graham just wanders down the middle of the field untouched, unmolested, and scores the touchdown. It was a crazy, had to be a deeply disappointing (laughs) way, a crushing way for Houston to lose because they had come so close. And that said... They're 3-4, and and you easily could flip that record or say
3: they'd even have potentially five wins if things had gone a little bit differently. But if I'm a Texans fan, I come out of this incredibly hopeful about yep. the future you have a star quarterback and you're in a division you, forget the record right now there's a long way to go in this season i never call this the mid the midpoint after week eight there's so much football to be played and they can climb out of their re- current record and fight on and i think they're a legit threat in the afc if
2: they get hot and get into a look good at, playoff position look at who else is fighting for a playoff spot right now i a mean a bunch of junk everyone else everyone. has major problems
4: that, that division's got three teams that are all going to be fighting for that division alone but the Texans fans, you know, when they lost Watt and Merciless, they probably were, you know, I don't know if this team had a chance to compete to win the Super Bowl this year anyways. This season's all about Deshaun Watson. So I don't care if they end up going 6-10 and 10. if he keeps playing at this level. They have found a franchise quarterback for the first time. Watching these two guys, I was thinking, what if you could show the tape of this game to maybe a a 10-year-old Mark Sessler in the 1980s. Like, it would have blown your mind to watch two of the greatest quarterbacks ever in terms of being able to evade the rush and improvise and run. Like, it's just they're playing football in a different way, these two back-to-back. It's insane.
2: uh, Two more points. One, Greg, by the skin of your teeth, congratulations. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ends the losing streak. Big victory for you as well as the Seahawks. And also the Texans, the backdrop of this game was outrageous as well, of course, with with uh, team owner Bob McNair, the comments that leaked out from the owners' meetings, uh, where he was quoted as saying that the inmates running the prison uh, situation going on and and, and it led to the, a lot of Texans players kneeling during the anthem. Majority of them. So you, don't, you didn't know if they were even going to show up for this game mentally. They certainly showed up. They just didn't get it done. But don't discount that being an ongoing issue around this team that could affect their season. Oh, it's remarkable.
4: If anything, it it's interesting that they essentially didn't practice Friday. You know, Hopkins left. I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, you know, the rookie Deontay Foreman was also one of the players that did leave. He traditionally this season has had a big role splitting carries with Lamar Miller, did not have a touch in this game. Alfred Blue got the carry, so I don't know if that was I don't know if that was connected or not. Clearly they weren't gonna sit DeAndre Hopkins in this game, uh, but I, I don't know. Pretty strong statement by the players.
2: Let's move on. McCoy, the running back, Taylor. Andrew Catalan of CBS with the call. He got it right eventually. Tyrod Taylor put the game out of reach with a fourth-quarter scoring plunge, and Matt Milano put the Bills ahead for good in the second quarter with a 40-yard fumble return as Buffalo cruised to a 34-14 win over the Raiders in Orchard Park. Greg, the Bills are on the rise while the Raiders appear to be fading. That play, that call from Catalan felt bad for him there.
4: Did you, though? It was typical of uh, well, no, I love Greg's it. like make sure you cut yeah.
2: Catalan failing. <laughs> I love it when an announcer has a has a moment. It is like a that. major <laughs> subplot sitting near Greg every Sunday. <laughs> cut to Catalan <laughs> sitting in business class, listening to our pod. The tear going down his. Yeah, I'm sure he's listening. Stop. To- that was a play that was
4: decided just by a hair. That it could have gone either way, and that's how. The call got messed up. It looked like he might have fumbled it, but no, it ended up being ruled a touchdown. And to me, that's kind of what this Bills season has been all about. I really admire what they're doing. I think they're playing hard, they're playing great team defense. But watching this game, and they won the turnover battle four to nothing, they're now leading the NFL wow. in turnover margin at plus 14, I believe. Every time the ball bounces up in the air, it's like there's a Bills linebacker to take it the other way for seven. Or a tipped pass that Derek Carr threw today which gets you know picked off for an interception. It's just one of those years that everything is going their way and they're also making their own luck and not making mistakes. These are the teams that a year later when they try to figure out who's going to slide back to the
3: pack win-loss-wise, it's these teams that are dominating turnovers because that right. rarely duplicates itself. But there's something else that happened from today. LeSean McCoy, who I think he's ran well all season but statistically a little stuck in the mud. And you mentioned that they went back to some concepts they used last year and it unleashed them for 151 yards.
4: Yeah, that's it. the last two weeks, I feel like the Bills are more sustainable because McCoy is ripping off big-time runs now in back-to-back weeks, and they're playing a team, the Raiders, who can't get stops. I mean, the Raiders have a huge weakness. They have not had a defense for a couple seasons now, whereas Buffalo, you look at who they were missing today. Jordan Poyer, who's played really well, another starting cornerback, E.J. Gaines. And oh, by the way, they traded the guy they gave a $100 million contract to, Marcel Darius. They didn't miss him. They stuffed the Raiders in the running game. It's like, doesn't
2: matter who's out there. They play pretty well on team defense. It's a bad situation for the Raiders, who came off that dramatic, um, potentially, you would think, season-altering win uh, over the Chiefs, And then to have this happen where the Bills missing the two defensive backs. Darius isn't there. They still can't move the ball on offense. uh, So all this – all this uh, greatness that you got out of the end of that game, that's all kind of wiped away now. And then at the, when the dust clears, and again, we were just talking about it with the Texans, and you look at the, the AFC playoff picture, the Bills look to be in great position at 5-2, and two, and the Raiders, they're clinging just to hope it looks like now to maybe get the sixth seed. So a lot of things have changed and not in a good way Well, for and
3: Oakland. And, and Oakland's record is no fluke. This is, this is right. really a team that just seems to completely be absent of last year's strengths. And who would have thought, when you looked at this, schedule in August and you saw the Jets and Bills kicking off next week's action on Thursday Night Football, you'd think, how dare you put that game on national television <laughs> for us to deal with in early November? Instead, it is a fascinating game of the week.
2: Almost, it, what? it is. All ah, right, the Jets listen, are three.
3: Tony right. Romo called it a game of the week, and I think that the Jets are interesting. Uh, I like the well, Jets Romo more final, than
2: Dandas Romo, Romo finally got something wrong because the Jets have lost
3: three
4: in a row. I just right. think yeah. it's it. For, here's what it is relative to how meaningless people thought it would be. Right. It is the opposite. <laughs> I, I wanted to cover this game because I thought it was kind of one of those two ships passing in the playoff race night. Like, yeah. which way are these two teams going to go? And the final score is misleading. But ultimately, the Raiders are set up in a way that their offense needs to be special. It's not special. It's just OK. Tredavious Wade shuts down Amari Cooper. You couldn't really run the ball. They haven't been able to do that all season. Let's move on.
2: Hand off Elliott. pushing on the right side. He'll walk it in. Touchdown, Cowboys. Elliott's second of
0: the game for the second week in a row. And thank you, Tyrone Crawford and Orlando Skandrick for that score.
2: KRLD, Byron Jones' 21-yard interception return for a touchdown. That was the exclamation point for the Cowboys, who went into soggy FedEx field, came out with an important 33-19 win over the Redskins, who have now lost uh, to two two, uh, division foes in a span of six days. Not good. And now we welcome back Nick Shook, swole as hell. (laughs) Wearing a 1990s throwback Cavs shirt. One of the worst logos that I can remember in the 90s.
5: It's literally a basketball that goes through a net. And it it says Cavs in blue. There's nothing to do with an actual. The logo is
2: simply, here's the goal of the sport. Still better than the
0: Browns they logo. That, they but not
5: close.
2: That. But close. Anyway, Swole. He's Swole as hell. He the doesn't Ricky care. Ricky Davis era calves. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Poor Dan oh, yeah. trying to get out the intro here. Ricky <laughs> Renegades. Uh, who cares? Anyway, <laughs> uh, Nick Shook, Swole as hell. He don't give a damn about standard fitness expectations. And he's about to talk about another big performance <laughs> from Zeke Elliott and what could be his last game for a while trying to get
5: past what standard fitness expectations are. But
2: anyways. Just like having like a standard good bod. You blew past that and that doesn't mean Jack S to you. Uh, Like uh, you're like, I'm gonna go uh, with the almost distractingly jacked body. Oh, I appreciate that. Like so big that it's almost like well is he like is it actually hard for him to move around? Like, right. what's his? Is he overcompensating? Sort of like for
3: a Paul else. Orndorff Jr. And if you are wondering, yes, Dan obviously spends many minutes, <laughs> potentially many hours, thinking about your physique while not on the podcast.
2: I mean, I feel like this is the question all of us are wondering, but only the old Zeuser can ask it. Are you getting too big uh, uh, for for your own good? I actually, was asked that in the newsroom today. What's it
5: there like? You to have big arms. It's hard to buy t-shirts. Well, so that's not what I was that, asking. Anyways, uh, well, let's go to Cowboys Redskins. He's yeah. out of, of the question. He's tired of, of being telling. objectified by three <laughs> other males. <laughs> uh, Zeke Elliott, he, this, I wrote in, the, in the, the post-game recap that this is really encouraging for the Cowboys because the running game earlier in the season for them was not good. Zeke looked a step slow. We had talked about that on here. And um, in the last couple, two, three weeks... He's turned that around. He's back to Zeke of last year. The line's starting to gel with the new pieces that they've got there. And they took advantage of that today in what was a steady downpour. He rushed 33 times for 150 yards and two touchdowns. It should have been three touchdowns, but one got called back on a bogus holding call yeah. on uh, Tyron Smith. And, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see because right now, if Zeke wasn't facing a potential suspension, I got a lot of stock in the Cowboys. It's moving up. But... With that, you know, still being out there, Monday
4: is the biggest day of the season for the Cowboys. Yeah, practice. it's absolutely. it's so strange, but you know that's the day we're supposed to hear from the court in New York that we believe will finally decide either the suspension starts next week or he should be clear for the huge season. for
5: the whole NFC. Right, absolutely, because right now the way the Cowboys are playing, and I'm not going to give too much credit to the Redskins because I think they have a lot of problems, and it's not necessarily a big big statement win for the Cowboys, but the way they're playing in back-to-back weeks, they're
2: really putting it together. And this game changed um, late in the second quarter. The Redskins are in control of the game uh, for most of the first half, and they come out on the field. Up 13-7, attempting a field goal. Nick Rose, the attempt gets blocked. Orlando Scandrick scoops it up, runs 86 yards, setting up the Elliott touchdown in the second quarter. So instead of it being 16-7 going into the half, all of a sudden you blink and it's 14-13, and the Cowboys never trailed again. So when you look at this, looking at the score, oh, the Cowboys took care of business in this game. They were the better team. But it did not look like that for most of the first half.
5: Well, they played a pretty sloppy first half overall. I mean, they were really lucky to be going into halftime with a 1 point lead. They did, they didn't deserve that lead, but they earned it in the second half with the way that they played. You you
4: still wonder if they they have enough on the outside or just in general in the in the passing game. The Cowboys that is. I wonder that. And that's why I do think they're a team a team to watch this week with the trading deadline whether they would want to pick up some sort of receiving. You're type. talking a little well, of Martavis Bryant. Yeah, I mean, so maybe there's, Martavis, there's, but there's other receivers possibly. T. Re- y. Hilton, maybe. Yeah, but yeah, there's I don't reports know. that like
3: their teams have inquired about Martavis Bryant, and I think that the Cowboys make sense culturally and sort of just who they are and what kind <laughs> of player. Well, no, Because I think a lot of teams would say no. Right. Teams yeah. would say no way to Martavis Bryant, but the Cowboys consistently. Uh, you
2: know, field risky players. Yeah. They'll take it over and over. Send your nightmare headache right. to us. Right.
4: Randy Gregory
0: well,
2: agrees with you. Yeah. There you
0: go.
2: <laughs> um, any other thoughts? The Redskins, uh, again, uh, you know, the the conditions, let's be fair, Shook, bad for everybody. But again, the, the Redskins, they just don't have it. And there's something like that annoyed me about that last pick six, that it was just a check down pass, like yes. floated in the middle of the field, right. no timeouts. It's like, what is going on with this team right now?
5: They are a team that has been decimated by injuries, and especially on the offensive line, they're throwing guys in there who arrived this week and were blocking for them and not doing a very good job. I might add. There's a guy who used to block in Minnesota. His name's T.J. Clemmings. He plays tackle. He was a uh, he who was an addition to the Redskins this year, and he was bad before he got hurt. He got ran over, and then gave up a uh, uh, he allowed Kirk Cousins to get hit on actually a touchdown pass. You know, ironically, but they can't protect the quarterback and they're suffering injuries in all parts of their team. I met Ionidas who had he's had a pretty good year so far, especially against the run in the interior a defensive tackle. He fractured his hand. Jordan Reed left with a hamstring injury. Niles Paul had a concussion. Wow. This is just today.
4: Well, yeah, we, we said in the offseason this season could be decided for them on what Dotson and Terrell Pryor does. And if neither and they, and if did they came up Today they combined for 5 targets and 1 yard.
5: One yard, Which one catch, touchdown. one touchdown. But it was only because on the play prior, Dotson got flagged. Or Well, the cornerback the covering Dotson. He drew a flag uh, for a pass interference in the end, end zone that was kind of a gift.
3: And, and they're 3-4, and, and, and you have Seattle, Minnesota, and the Saints. You get the Giants after that, then you have the Dallas again. So mm. I don't know. I mean, they, they I find the Redskins fun to watch when they're, click, when they're clicking.
5: No running but game. This schedule is rough. Well, they need to get healthy first. Bottom line. Let's move on.
2: Oh, that
5: was your lock.
2: Hello. That's five in a row. Mm. It's five in a row. Greg can't make up ground on me this week.
4: I mean, I'm looking forward to the streak ending because then we'll just stop talking about the standings (laughs) in general.
2: No one will actually find out if this ends. Greg's still struggling with being in last place. Aww. All right, let's move on. Five in a row, baby. Kimara's the running back. Ted Ginn Jr. goes in motion. They flip it to the near side. Kamara trying to turn the corner. to the boundary. And he's going
3: to
0: score. Shrugs off a tackle at the two and ducks into the end zone for the score.
2: Uh, that was WWL with the call. Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram both rushed for touchdowns. Drew Brees threw for 299 yards, and the Saints topped the Bears 20-12 to at the Superdome. Greg, another week, another conquest for the Saints, who have won five straight. Mm. Get excited, Mr. Tulane. I, I mean, I'm excited. Saints fans should be excited
4: because they're winning games in different types of ways. Drew Brees said after the game that he doesn't even feel like the, the passing game is really has it all together, and he's right. This was a game he only had five in Completions, but they could have put it away earlier. They didn't need to. That was the perfect clip to pick because Kamara, to me, is the key to the team. On one drive, you know, he beats, you get, they just get him in good lineup, in good matchups where he's beating a linebacker on a deep sideline route. You just don't see running backs do that. And then on the next play, he's, Lined up in the slot and he's beating a zone, and it's just like if it wasn't for two Mark Ingram fumbles when they were in position to score twice late in this game, it would not have been as close as the. And final that's
3: start. an aberration for Ingram because I don't think he's had two fumbles in
4: a game ever in the NFL. No, he, and he. I mean their running game for the most part today was bottled up. You got to give Chicago a little bit of credit. Keem Hicks is playing I really feel like well. I we saw and some Roy's steps playing.
3: from Trubisky a nice deep shot downfield, a big run at the end. I mean, are they used, they use him in a a different, threw the ball 32 times.
2: They're not doing much with him, by the way. I know he doesn't have a lot of stuff around him, but there's a lot of big talk about him in his first game. Uh, He's not really moving the ball with him, is he? Well, I mean, this is a team that just had
5: to make a move for a receiver this week. And a receiver.
4: Right. Right. They're in a weird spot. I did write, very early, like how are they gonna to respond to being down ten nothing? Are they gonna kinda of get out of what they do? They didn't they didn't really. They stayed pretty run heavy. And I think we partly saw why. Ultimately he completed less than half of his passes. I think he's and this is true of almost every rookie quarterback, I think he's just a, a beat or two slow getting the ball out of his hands and, and that's that's
5: something he'll get better at as he plays. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. However, there were some moments. Um, Adam, uh, or excuse me. Zach Miller uh, went down with uh, an unfortunate leg injury that was really gruesome. But it was oh on God. a great ball, a great yep. pass from Trubisky to him. That would have been a touchdown if we could ever. The game might out have been lit up. What a catch! Is we don't uh, is this a catch is. fiasco yeah, alert? Yeah, this was a complete Let's hit it. catch rule fiasco alert. Catch rule fiasco yes. alert. Catch rule fiasco yes. alert. Yeah, yeah, you know, basically what happened was Zach Miller catches the ball. He proceeds to dislocate his knee. And then as he goes down to the ground, feels the pain, realizes something's wrong with his leg, drops the ball. And that right there is not completing the process of the catch.
4: And it was well after. It really felt like there was nothing that you saw. I was I was really surprised. I shouldn't be surprised anymore. I was surprised by that one. Yeah. Every week you get one of these.
2: Let's move on. Shotgun. In motion. Kittle, the tight end from right to left. Low snap. Back goes Mostert, he fires, and it's intercepted! Mills, down the left side, he cuts back at the 15, he's running across the field, he gets a block, he cuts back, he's in for the touchdown,
0: Jalen Mills, magnificent! (laughs)
2: <laughs> WIP on the call there. Carson Wentz threw two touchdown passes, uh, including that one to Jalen Mills. The Philadelphia Eagles glided past the San Francisco 49ers, 33-10. to uh, Shook the Eagles. Were fully expected to take care, take care of business here, and that's what they did.
5: Yeah, uh, and, and you know, here's the weird thing about this game. And much like I've given the Browns credit in the past, and I've given the Bears some credit Recently for their defense, the Niners defense kept this a game until the last two minutes of the first half and everything just fell apart. I mean, in a in a whirlwind, there was that pick six. And then there was right before that, there was a touchdown pass from Wentz to Zach Ertz, which completed like a six or seven play drive. And it went from being an Eagles three nothing lead in another uh, rainy game to suddenly being, you know, 17 to nothing and the Eagles in complete control.
3: I mean, they they brought the house at Wentz with the Jason Peters industry inj- injury, and and it, they got seven hits, they got three sacks, but it's it's CJ Beathard and Dan, that's your boy CJ beat hard. I mean, Beathard. he he week after week is taking a beating, and I don't understand. He's I mean, taking a hard beating, big time. If you're Kyle Shanahan, <laughs> see you yeah. need to get a win. Did you I catch do- that, one? Yes, I did, Dan, <laughs> and it was mildly humorous. Thank so you. I,
2: <laughs> I, say, I say, I say you right know, right just, right. Just give me a little reaction. I a little.
3: Why are you sticking – are you going to stick with it for the rest of the year? This is not the quarterback
4: of the future. This is not the humor that I like. <laughs> well, I'm Mark Sesler. Mark, Dan's not going to hear any of our points uh, for the rest I, of the show. because what? His is, ears are just going to be mildly, mildly,
2: It is mildly,
3: simply mildly. impossible it's simply to make impossible a point on this show.
2: To make a point. All right. How about die? <laughs> there you go. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> Here's the thing
5: with Beathard, Beathard, is – Brian Hoyer's worse than him still, and it's not necessarily his fault. When he's protected, he makes some good throws. I mean, we're talking about the Niners here. We're not talking about a—he's not a franchise quarterback. You're right. They need to find somebody else in the future, but right now, it's got to be Beathard over Hoyer. Their problem, again, much like the Redskins in the last game, is they can't protect him. The thing—the thing, the thing though—with a, a
4: rebuilding team that's 0 and 8 with a new coach, you want to. Be excited about identifying some players for the future. And I don't see that at all with this 49ers team. I see their best running back is Carlos Hyde, who's not going to be on the team. Uh, you know, their leading receivers today was a running back, Mark, uh, Matt Breida, who had a shovel. Which has a future. <laughs> a you got Trent pass. Taylor and Garrett Sell. These are guys who are just here. And they're not going to be, if the 49ers ever get good again on offense, it's not going to be with any of these guys. So it's yeah. hard to get excited.
5: Yeah, no, I I feel you. I think the one point maybe is that maybe Trent Taylor could stick as okay. like your fourth or fifth sure. guy who likes to be fourth, third, slot yeah, guy, slot guy. That's that kind fair. of thing. But yeah, for especially on the, this offense, mostly twenty seventeen,
3: you've identified your fourth or fifth <laughs> target on offense.
2: Nailed it. Uh, moving on.
0: Keenum checks out, takes the snap, drops back to pass, has a little bit of time, steps up in the pocket, throws to the back of the end zone for Rudolph, he's got it high in the air and comes down two feet in. It's a four-yard touchdown pass to Kyle Rudolph.
2: KFXN with the call. Case Keenum threw two touchdown passes, including that uh, victory-ensuring toss to Kyle Rudolph and Kai Forbath. Kai's Kai. Kai's going to be Kai. He made four field goals. The Vikings beat the Browns 33-16 to 16 at Twickers. Uh, that's the final game that will be held in Britain this year. We could not. We just couldn't get him one. Couldn't get him a game. And we were on Sky we Sports. We got him for Bath. We got him Kai. Kai's going to be Kai. Uh, we were on Sky Sports with Neil Reynolds uh, earlier today, uh, Greg and I. And we promised them. Mm. any game they wanted next year. Yeah,
4: better. He requested Tom Brady, Carson Wentz, <laughs> and uh, we've got the type of poll. Which is the We're power going and, to yeah, deliver. You, you, We're working on you it. You certainly have the power to make that happen. I mean, Case Keenum has played in, I believe,
2: two-thirds of the games ever played at Twickenham Stadium. Wow. Games. There this is, is the goosebumps. best half they got. Goosebumps. Anyway, Greg, um, this is your classic take-care-of-business game for the Vikings, but the, you know, the Browns, they made him earn it. No, it was a good game yeah. for... Two and a half quarters, or at least a, co-
4: a competitive game. Uh, I, I just I saw the Browns do things that bad teams do, though. I mean they gave they gave away about ten free points yeah. when it, the game was actually close with a missed field goal. Uh, with Hugh Jackson totally botching uh, the uh, timeout situation at the end of the first half, and then another penalty, which led to or, uh, fumbling the first play of the second half, which led to three more players. Just like, here, here's 10 points for you, and it's tough to win that way. Yeah, on the flip side
3: of Kai Forbath is Zane Gonzalez, Cleveland's rookie kicker, that's had, he's had a tough season, and, you know, he's not along. Greg, Greg, you witnessed my deep passion for this Browns team this morning before our early England
4: hit. Yes, that's that's true. Like Mark, Mark in the past has said that he's let go of the Browns a little bit. I think in this in this case, he really is pretty pretty tuned out on this team. Smart.
5: I mean, Nick, on the other hand, still still has that in his that's heart. How you do. I, I do engage with people on Twitter after the Browns have lost this game this morning about why they don't need to fire everybody right now and how it's going to set them back. It's week eight. I mean, oh, I, mean I, don't, 8, I don't want them to fire everyone either. But
3: I think the, the takeaway here is more the Vikings that they this is a game that if they were a lesser Vikings team or last year's Vikings team that started out yeah. five yeah. and zero and then crumbled. They're doing the opposite things this year. They, they, they got stuck in a tough first half and mined their way out of it. Like, what do just, you
4: want them to do, Nick Shook, then if if. Like, are you saying now is not too early
5: to start making some changes? I I think you retain your coaching staff and you consider some front office changes just because they don't seem like they're necessarily on the same page in the long run, but... Bringing it back to the Vikings, I also had to defend Case Keenum on Twitter today. He's had a pretty solid season. Very busy We've talked about that.
3: What is this this that
5: you're doing? I didn't wake up this morning and think, I'm going to have to defend Hugh Jackson and Case Keenum in the same conversation. He made some plays on
4: his own, but Adam Thielen makes him look good. And I feel for Keenum because he's been in a lot of different situations. And I could be wrong about this, but if you read Mike Zimmer's quotes after the game when they asked about Teddy Bridgewater, and he said, I hope I have a decision to make... Mm. You know, Case has pl- played well, but we'll see what happens there. I I really, just, just, it's just a guess. I really think Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the starter after the bye, and he's going to be the one
2: that possibly takes this
5: team into the playoffs. Here's the thing you know, they're winning games, so this is a good position to be in right? regardless, unless you make the change and the wheels fall off.
2: Wait, what? So, what's the Sam Bradford situation?
5: Where are we at now? That is so strange, right I think now.
3: Is, he's in a malaise. He's sort of <laughs> just, he's
4: he's, <laughs> he's he a did. bit disinterested, and I think they're just not suited. His, him up his every injury seems like he has no timetable. It's something where he's kind of cleared where he can do like, come on. football activities, but he clearly just can't Well, except can't for move. the most important football activity to be playing on Sunday. I think there is something serious going on there, where like, you are worried about his long term
5: future playing the sport. Is I think it, that's the vibes that it right. seems. Yeah, is he football? Brandon Roy, degenerative
2: knees. Is this it? Right. Could be that situation. I was about to say, bro, have a timetable, but now you're making me think wait, he could be facing a career threatening situation. I think if you read between the lines, show a
3: dash of sensitivity. If you read between the lines of what the
2: insiders and what the medical
4: people there have said, like that's sort of the vibe you're getting on Bradford that they don't know about his future at
2: all. Mm, Hmm. Interesting. All right, Nick, uh, one of these days we're going to have you on the show and you're going to talk about a Browns win. That is not today. It's funny. I did a preview. This um, <laughs> so another Twitter this is
5: another situation? another Twitter thing. No. Yeah. Um, with somebody in London. And, and I, Twitter bits with he said, Shook. He goes, he goes, what's the goal for the Browns? And I was just like, win a game. Any game. It doesn't matter. Yeah.
2: Just one. One in 15 would be Eventually, perfectly fine. Perhaps. All right. There he goes. Shook. Shook off
3: to now defend Manuel Noriega on Twitter this <laughs> evening. Have a nice evening. Shook doesn't know
2: who that Mark- is. We asked There he goes. Off to the gym. Get that pump in. Is that a Tui Sopo ref in a big spot? <laughs> Back in By's day.
3: What if after all this time, Shook's actually just be- been wearing one of those gigantic, <laughs> uh, like Halloween-esque, like, bodies that you blow up? And he has, like,
4: his actual body is, like, Mike Lennon-esque? Sure. That would be awesome. I, I wouldn't say it'd be, like, the biggest a- NFL scandal of the year, but it would be up there. It would rock <laughs> the newsroom. It'd be the
2: biggest NFL scandal of this room, for sure. <laughs> uh, let's move on.
0: Matt Bosher to punt right to left, Jeremy Curley, return man at his 25, snap, shot in the air, directionally wobbling to the far side, hard backpedal retreating, and losing the football The 15, Falcons fall upon it, Curley lost the ball, the Falcons pounce at the 13 yard line, a giant special team snafu!
2: All right, that was WZG with the call. Jeremy Curley's fourth-quarter fumble sucked the life out of the Meadowlands and led to the insurance points the Falcons needed. Uh, a 25-20 to win for Atlanta, uh, which snapped a three-game losing streak. The Jets, meanwhile, they've lost for uh, the third time in as many weeks. And um, we'll start with the Falcons. They are the winners. And uh, not... A perfect effort by any stretch. And the only reason they won this game, and it was this game also in a very soggy day across the East Coast of this country, raining the entire game, pouring for for large swaths of the game. But I will say this, um, ball security, large swaths of the game, of the game. <laughs> uh, Matt Ryan lost three fumbles in this game, two turnovers, uh, a failed two-point conversion attempt. And I don't want to be too negative, but Austin Cooper dropped a short touchdown. They had six red zone trips and had two touchdowns. They had a punt return touchdown wiped out by a penalty. Still, they were good enough to beat the Jets because the Jets are uh, just good enough to lose every week. I think the Jets are the um, best bad team in the league, and the Falcons are the worst good team in the league. Mm, hmm. Well said. When those two teams square off, what happens? A narrow win for the worst good team. That's what happened today. Couldn't have said it any better.
3: The announcer used the term snafu, and I'm sure you guys know what it stands for, but I, it reminds me of when I once was at a wedding and quizzed. My friend and I quizzed roughly 120 people if they knew what IBM stood for. I thought 90% would know, and roughly maybe 35% of people knew what IBM stood for, which was stunning. <laughs> uh, IBM is... Not I've been moved, as, as old IBM dads would use. Back in the day, <laughs> your dad is an IBM man. What well, does they, that w- even they mean? Would, they would move you all around the country all the time. So, oh, your dad to... worked there. Uh, really? He did for a
2: stretch. Is the... it like integrated business movements or something? I'm not telling you. I don't. I don't care. But like, <laughs> I'm wrong. Yes or no? I'm not going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, the Falcons were sloppy, but they were good enough. In fact, this is the first international time... business machine. Bingo. Yeah. Which is a, I didn't know that. Which is
3: a clunky <laughs> name for a company.
2: Highly so. clunky. <laughs> highly clunky. Uh, uh, so, the yeah, the Falcons didn't play a perfect game. The, the Jets are – they'll just drive you nuts. I mean, the, again – At one point in the game, you were like, this is my favorite
4: bad Jets team ever. I, I feel like they have gotten – even though you, you're at peace with, like, okay, they're not going to be a playoff team this year necessarily, they keep getting your hopes up. The fact that they're losing from ahead each week is frustrating.
2: Yeah, it's certainly frustrating. It has reached the point, though, where you kind of feel it coming because they've now – Taken leads in four straight games and lost the last three, and had a gift win in overtime against Jacksonville. Mm. Uh, so they just there's something going on. Um, I think our boy um, Johnny Morton's done a nice job on balance as their offensive coordinator. They've scored a touchdown for the third straight week in their first possession, which speaks to you know the scripted plays and the, and they're doing something right and. In terms of studying their opponents and, and finding the right plays, Josh McCown continues to look very good in spurts. But in the second half, for the third straight week, and now why their season is essentially close to over now is they have no idea how to close out a game. Right. Uh, the defense is what it is. The defense can have moments, but is not uh, not a great unit by any stretch. Um, despite uh, there being some players that can uh, that are really promising, the offense is dying out in the second half. And Matt and Forte, who is not a guy that's known to complain, uh, did complain after this game. He only had four carries. Uh, and he said in, in a pouring rainstorm, why am I only getting four carries? Which is a fair thing to say. saying that the plan was to, to run the ball more, and, and they went away from it. They did a lot of passing in that, in those conditions. And, and that's, that's the struggle with the jets right now, closing games. They still can't do it.
4: I'm not giving up on the Falcons though. I, they, they needed a game like this. I know it's not like a huge comeback win, but they were down. It's on the road. It's bad weather. They're not, they're not great right now, but they have a running game and they have a roster. I think, that if a few things can go right, that their season can turn around, but they they got to find a way to win some of these ugly games in the middle and, well, uh, until they do. They have the Panthers, the Cowboys, and the
3: Seahawks next. I mean, the Falcons, something just has seemed off from the start and yet
4: you're exactly right. In that division, in the NFC, they, they have time to fix it. And as far as great as the Jets, but like in all these games where they blow the lead, they get outgained significantly. Not in, in all of these games, the other team has outgained them and has probably deserved to win. It's, it's not like that, that
2: they've had bad luck or anything. And that's why I've never been sucked in. If you watch them on a snap, right. a snap basis, they are a very flawed team. Any shot to beat the Bills on Thursday night. Uh,
3: where's the game? It is in New York. They have a shot sure is new york a big home field advantage for the jets right now ooh no I mean, i'm just asking i don't it,
2: yes uh, compared to their road i don't think they have a home problem right. uh, like there's nothing going on there it just as it is, you know i so let's let's see what keith hansen has had to say ooh. about this jets loss keith oh. uh, a very hopeful jet fan my dad uh, but the losses and the, the manner of the losses it's going to start grinding on my old man i know it <laughs>
0: <laughs> his name is keith
2: He's Dan's dad, no doubt about it, he's a big Jets fan. What is he going to say about the game today? What is he going to say about the game today? Jets-Falcons game today, uh, another frustrating loss as a Jets fan to watch the Jets come out and be very strong offensively again, and then just fade again totally. Um, it was uh, just, a, a, just another example of the team that shows that it can win, but then in the long run, when it comes down to making the big plays at the end, the biggest thing that comes down is that they just cannot finish, which is frustrating watching this team. Uh, yeah, I know they're young, but still, it's uh, another game that was winnable and another uh, tough loss. It's a weird season, but at least they're making the games entertaining. They're not embarrassing themselves, but it, it could be frustrating. There were weeks
3: that we uh, were a little shorthanded on the on the news side downstairs. Right. Would your dad be interested in maybe
2: writing <laughs> a few Jets recaps? I really enjoy his his analysis. He's retired, and I think one of the things about being retired that's really beneficial is you don't have to work anymore. Oh, so I don't think he's going to okay. want to do that. That doesn't. But that's very kind of you to, to reach out to Keith, and I will talk to him <laughs> privately. Let's move on. Allen angles the punt right to left toward the sideline. Drop by Benjamin. Returns it. <laughs> it back toward the end zone. He's oh, spotted CT. up inside the goal line. They it's run under by the Patriots. It appears is ruling that he got out. Got at two conference. As Brandon King and Matthew Slater were downfield, Benjamin curling to the right side. Yeah, line. dropped the ball and then he circled back. And he's tackled for a safety. Oh, stupid is what he stupid does. The el- <laughs> Wait, what yeah. the hell just happened?
4: The, uh, well, that, oh. it, that was stupid is what he stupid does. El- I guess if, if you have a punt return uh, that's returned into the end zone for a safety, you're going to have a weird call. That doesn't whole, happen too often in the NFL. The whole thing was bizarre. Is that Zolak? I
3: think oh, yeah. it was. He's popping off. He's oh, yeah, probably feeling himself. Scotty Z.
2: It sounds like Bernie Kozar during a
3: preseason. No, no, no. <laughs> he is much more organized than Scott Zolak. Hey, Zolak, pull together,
2: stupid is it. You know, calm down, buddy.
3: Eh, that's on my radar. That was, bit. that was... Maybe one of the the ugliest special teams
4: plays of the entire season. Right. I'm not, it's not too often you see a punt returner run backwards 10 yards and take a safety. That's a, pretty crazy. I I would like to see the stats on that, but I can't imagine that's that's happened too often in NFL history. He might have set the record for running backwards on a punt return it's before. an experienced punt returner, too. I mean, he, he sure. really must trust his ability to have
2: you know, <laughs> escaped that jam and it didn't happen. But you know what else doesn't happen often? A professional broadcaster calling a player stupid. I hear you. Oh, stupid is what stupid <laughs> does. Where's the radar? It's also, as Lindsay, I need is, my radar back. Is Where is as it? As stupid
4: does, he's officially eleven yards. He uh, he ran backwards. Give me my
2: radar, Lindsay. You're on the radar, Zolak. <laughs> oh, that Show that? some respect.
3: It's like he's been on your radar for like <laughs> roughly half a decade. But okay.
2: now, on balance, I like Zolak okay. typically. But you know, anyway. Tom Brady threw for 333 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and the Patriots, uh, with the help of uh, Travis Benjamin, uh, they got a 21-13 to win over the Chargers at Foxborough. Mark, the Pats offense was not in stellar form on Sunday. But again, the defense uh, rose to the occasion.
3: Yeah, the defense played a nice game. And I, I, I have to give the Chargers defense credit, too, because there were multiple moments, especially towards the end of the first half where I thought they had 15 points in the second quarter, New England, they're up 15 to 7, that they're going to blow this game wide open, and Los Angeles found a way to hold them to field goals down the stretch, only six points in the second half for the Patriots, and Stephen mm. Ginkowski, so reliable, typically, Kept
4: this thing close with two botched field goals of his own. Not so, since the start of last season. All right, he, so then he's a he's an average. His career is essentially
3: guy. about to end. I think is what, what what we're trying to tell you. But no, I mean it's it, This was just the Patriots. Mark and scramble recovery I'm mode. Trying. There, no,
4: no. I'm just I'm saying. Not, I'm, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying. not
2: going PFF
4: on this guy's kicker kicking this season. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
2: <laughs> he's yeah. He's been not too good. I'm just
4: saying he he's he's on Patriots fans' radar since that yeah, it, title to game. put it to put it a different way. I like what New England did in this game. Nice game today for the
3: kicker,
2: though. (laughs) Yeah. They had a nice game today. (laughs)
3: Yeah, really did. So, But this reminded me a little bit of how New England attacks Seattle and their pass rush out of the gate in the Super Bowl, two Super Bowls ago when they – or three Super Bowls ago when they they basically Mm. used their running backs to a high degree on quick-release things to to, kind of offset Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram who did – Brady was under a lot of heat, but he showed once again with his footwork, and he kind of can obviously just sort of see stuff coming from behind him. He evaded what I think another quarterback would have taken a lot more punishment than he did.
4: Well, this game and really this trend for the Patriots is now not just one week. I think they're trying to play complementary football by controlling the ball. They had what fifty plays in the first half, something it was like that. Forty they had... to nineteen, in right? The play count and they end the up with half. over eighty plays, and they're trying to play complementary football where you where you keep that defense off the field and it kind of reminded me of the AFC championship game with the chargers where it felt like it was really one-sided and that the Patriots should have control. It was almost the exact same final score, uh, but in the end, the Chargers are in that game at, to the very end, and Philip Rivers, get, you know, gets the ball with a chance to try to win it. Yeah, one difference for me because I think last few weeks we've seen that was 2008 AFC Championship for your young listeners. Way back, when, forget that ever existed.
3: Hunter Henry, who's been so involved of late, Ooh, two catches for 11 yards. Like that to me, when they when without him being sort of an integral part of the game, they they lost out through the air, but. Melvin Gordon had the best game of his of his whole season today. Mm. You, you know, 80, I think it was an eighty three, eighty seven yard touchdown right out of the gate, which is a franchise record and a career long for him. But they this offense too, just I I don't know. This has got to be another you want to talk about a Jets losing in a way, the Jets lose. This is another Los Angeles defeat where they could have pulled this thing off had things been a little bit different down the stretch.
2: I
4: am oh. Oh, yeah. That's why it's on. This oh, was
3: well. This Ooh. was a lock that I lost, but I don't feel. Uh, I'm proud that I picked. I went this way because it almost <laughs> happened.
4: Were you proud? Huh? You know, they didn't, didn't even d- cover here. Look it.
2: They didn't cover. What do you mean cover? I mean, uh, they about? didn't. What are you talking? About? I don't cover themselves in glory. <laughs> yeah, according to the league, I don't <laughs> yeah. operate on that front. Greg so. is slipping back into the abyss. I could feel it. <laughs> exactly. We need to talk to him after the show. Um, one guy I want to just mention real quick. I could save for Thursday. I'll stick a pin in it. Who? Mm. I want to talk a little bit about Keenan Allen not having a big impact on this team mm, okay. this year, who was basically uncoverable uh, when he wasn't injured, finally healthy now for half a season, and is not putting up near the same production with a healthy Phillip Rivers. I'm just a little surprised about that. It, it's interesting, and they're, they're a team I expected to have so
4: many different ways to attack you that they could be different you know, each and every week, and they're not, they're not really a dangerous it, offense. No. Whereas the Patriots, you know, I know they're not quite at 2,000, 17 or 16 levels but it's like some weeks they can come out like this and James White and Rex Burkhead can combine for 12 catches and 140 yards and that's their offense and it's like they can hit you different ways at 27 first downs that is kind of vintage Patriots in terms of moving it up and down the field uh, let's uh, move on Empty
1: backfield, shotgun snap, the Hit pass,
2: it! deflected, Woo! and intercepted oh! by Carlos Dunlap. Oh, and he runs it in for a Cincinnati so touchdown. <laughs> W-E-B-N with, with the call. an amazing play. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just hear the color guy's reaction again? Oh! Deflected, and intercepted oh! by Carlos Dunlap. That guy's the master of his domain. Line, lineman Carlos Dunlap, he knocked Jake Brisket's pass in the air, grabbed it. Took it to the end zone, 16 yards. Oh, and it was a game-changing touchdown. (laughs) I'm just being that guy. Uh, Rallying rallying the Bengals to a 24-23 win over the Indianapolis Colts. Mark, uh, Cincinnati averted disaster at home to keep themselves in the AFC playoff picture at the midway point.
3: I can't quite understand what uh, those those commentators are so excited about watching this Bengals team because. Well, that yeah, was a great play. It was one six. of the plays of the day. It was one on of the a, plays on a of the micro day. level. That's fine, Mark. It was so, a pick six
2: to win the game in the fourth. I'm bottom. just
3: saying this I'm Bengals team to me <laughs> barely outlasted a dead on arrival Colts operation, and I cannot take Mark. Andy Dalton and the Bengals seriously anymore this season. They go on the road for the next three weeks, and they're going to come back out of the playoff picture entirely. This (laughs) was a game that simply was about which quarterback, Andy Dalton or Jacoby Brissett, is going to make the key error at the end of the game. That's all it came down to. Mm -hmm. This was was not an inspiring win for the Bengals. I don't care what anyone says. Mark, is the sport of
4: football
2: on your (laughs) radar
4: right now? Football did some good (laughs) things today. The Bengals... I, you know, as the, you were, you were really on. hoping the Bengals were going to lose. You wanted to bury them. They're a division I, rival. And you wanted to just say, that's right. Hey, let's cross them off. It's for this, It's not
3: season. a division rival. It's I, we're at the time of year where if you're a pretender, get out. I can't deal with it. <laughs> and had they lost this game, it would have been one another, another nail in the grave. This is to this team is not large swaths anywhere. of the
2: nail from the grave.
3: This team is going nowhere. <laughs>
2: I love midseason Mark Sessler. It's no, my favorite you know part of the no, year. No, because
3: the, the, the league is, it, it is a tad watered down in this Bengals team that's still mathematically hanging around. They're three and four. I, I will not tolerate them again.
4: <laughs> what, is, what does that mean? You're not going to I will
3: not cover them again this season. You're not putting them on the well, schedule. take it to schedule. Dave Ealy. This it, was this game that I had to watch on the background while the Patriots-Chargers <laughs> game was on, and it was an eyesore. Alex,
4: uh, <laughs> wow! It's it's troubling that they could that they were outgained and maybe outplayed for most of the game by the Colts, and su- and surprising they are in a position where who knows if they can play better. But Joe Mixon, eleven carries. 18 yards is kind of an answer. And he had a a huge catch and made a big difference as a receiver. That was one great play. Right. That was a terrific play. But it it kind of is an answer to the people who have been saying, like, you just got to hand it over to to Mixon. Like, their, their problems on offense start up front, whether it's the running game or the passing game. Like, those are the problems. And I thought it was very fitting that this game essentially ended with Jake Brisket, you know, who I love, but holding the ball a little too long on a fourth down, you know, play before getting rid of it, and because that that has been the problem for him, and and I do wonder if this team's going to be a little different next week. The Colts think yeah. it could be a team that could be trading.
3: One last thing, your boy Frank Gore, nice game, Frankie.
4: He's he's he's, he's close to five yards a carry over the last month. And Mark,
2: and Mark, I believe you have one more comment about Cincinnati.
4: Well,
3: Marvin Lewis is an idiot. <laughs> Let's move on. Stewart in
0: the backfield, tight line splits. Newton turns, hands to Stewart, who leaps, extends for the goal line. Touchdown.
2: Yes, he did. Yes, he did indeed. Cam Newton threw for 154 yards. uh, A touchdown to Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, Jonathan Stewart had a touchdown. The Panthers defense did the rest. A 17-3 win over the sleepwalking Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday in Tampa. Uh, Gentlemen. I don't know, you know, let let the, the Tampa Bay Bucks. we'll get to the Panthers in a second. Let the Tampa Bay Buccaneers be the latest and perhaps strongest reminder not to fall for the Hard Knocks team. And I'm not saying the season's over, but at the midway point for them... They're five. five. They're three games back of the Saints. Yeah, at the midway point of the season, I know they played seven games because they had the week one by. Um, they get a big fat F from me in terms of... Uh, Expectations, uh, in terms of everything we thought we knew about kind of the, the chemistry and the vibe around that team in hard knocks, it was all kumbaya in August, and now everybody's upset about something. Jameis Winston had a, a really bad game, uh, today, and 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 what was an important game, I thought, Greg, because and I'll point to one one uh sequence that happened in the second half, um, the the Bucks have their backs against the wall. I wish I could tell you the exact score, but I could tell you that uh, Winston uh, misses an open Mike Evans streaking down the sideline would have been a touchdown. Misses that pass, and then the next play throws it over the middle, sails it over his intended receiver. Luke Keekley intercepts it, and I remember thinking to myself, that was the most important possession of the season for Tampa, and the quarterback could not have come up any more small. Uh, and that's kind of the state of the Bucks right now—a team with a lot of potential, but not even coming close to reaching that potential. And the standings tell the story.
4: Well, J- Kurt, Dirk Cutter had an interesting week where he insisted to the media that Jameis Winston suffered no setback, despite sitting him for the first two practices of the week this week, uh, where then he was on a serious show on Friday night, and he admitted that Jameis Winston re-injured his shoulder against the Bills. So I'm not saying that is explains away the Buck season. It obviously doesn't. Winston played great last week, but his shoulder, I don't know if today was a problem. He certainly wasn't throwing it very accurately today, and this was the type of game where the thing that stuck out to me was Mike Evans, after the game, saying we're not as good as we thought. Like, this is what we keep hearing about the Bucks. Like, I don't know. It's 2017. Like, are teams really falling for the, their own, like, preseason hype that much? The Giants have been saying this, too, that, like, we're, we're not as good as we thought we were. We thought we were great. We thought all the preseason hype meant something. By the way, when we say the Bucks may not be done,
3: well, they have a long way to go. There's only one team, and that's the Giants in the NFC with fewer wins.
4: Right. And there's three teams in their division that are above 500 including a five
2: and two saints team. So it's a long, it's a long climb out. And on the Panthers' side, they had a nice drive early in the game. Didn't do a ton on offense, uh, but didn't really need to. And, you know, shout out to their defense who once again are looking good. Yes. They lost 17 three last week. They won 17 three this week, but they only gave up three points on defense last week. Right? Uh, there were uh, two defensive scores that, that s- uh, submarine them in that game. So the defense is playing great, Um, So that's not uh, what their problem is. And they still seem to be Carolina, despite them being up and down the team with to me that has the highest ceiling uh, Mm. in that division.
3: I think New Orleans will give them a run for their money, but we're just not used to seeing that from the Saints. But the Panthers, I mean, they've had some. They've had some rough weeks, and somehow they sit at five and three right now, so they're totally in the picture.
4: and Jonathan Stewart didn't really run the, like they still didn't have a running game like that the second they have a running game, then I'll start buying them. As, is that going to happen? I don't know.
2: I mean, you never know. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. Not right now anyway. Um, all right, Mark, um, you have some dad work to do. Is that's that correct? correct. Yes. You is can... Daddy ever coming back? <laughs>
3: Yeah, it is my child Luke's seventh birthday. Uh, I did celebrate it a bit yesterday. Seven years old! Seven wow. Seven years old.
2: Where does the time go, Mark?
3: Well, I don't know. It goes quickly. <laughs> I don't have an. If I could answer that question, I could.
4: What did you do to celebrate on Saturday?
3: Went out to brunch. Uh, opened up about forty-eight boxes of Legos that arrived in the <laughs> mail from various family individuals and members,
4: and uh, cake and lots of sweets and. So what? this wasn't a situation because your sons, I'm not sure which one actually pressed the button. They famously once ordered Legos <laughs> through Amazon on their own somehow, through yeah, some they, sort of well, one-click ordering. It was amazing.
3: Yes, they had incredible, have incredible iPad skills and somehow ordered a, I guess, sort of an, a non-registered, kind of no-longer-sold Ghostbusters haunted house that cost $470 <laughs> and it showed up at our house and we were totally
2: stunned. Um, they almost pulled it off. They almost did it. Who uh, is Luke the ringleader with the iPad or are they equal parts like criminal equal masterminds? Equal parts. It's, it's an ebb
3: and flow scenario.
2: Very interesting. All right, Mark. Well, you do your dad thing. Thank you. Prioritize family over the podcast again. <laughs> right. tell your son.
3: For the final eight minutes of their of their being awake today, I will suddenly be in the
2: picture. All right. Bye, Mark. All right, before we get to the last game, I have a question, Greg.
4: Wow, I'm waiting to hear this one. Was it a comeback? Is that the question? That's with Mark.
2: (laughs) No, I got no bits with you in the comeback realm. Want to save big? Love to. Well, over 300 million smart and thrifty shoppers have discovered Wish, the mobile mall app that connects you to thousands of... Players? Merchants. Wish makes it easy to shop fashion, shoes, electronics, kitchen gadgets, and more. Greg, this is your big chance on the Wish Street. Because sometimes I'll throw it to the other side of the table. Yeah. Now, no choice. I'm going to you, and you're getting your opportunity. Yeah? Okay. Anyway, that way you pay 60 to 90% 90 less than what you'd pay in a... Department store. Well, oh, just store. No markups, no overpay. They even have an outlet section complete with products from amazing brands like U.S. Polo, Champion, Wrangler, and... Gatorade. No, Hanes. Oh. Haynes, man. The underpants giant. And if you can wait a few weeks for delivery, you'll get lower shipping prices than almost anywhere else. No wonder it's the number one shopping app on the App Store and Google Play, and the highest rated mobile shopping app in the... Internet. Internet. <laughs> World. And now, for our listeners, Wish is offering all new users a free gift with purchase, but dedicated Wish lovers, don't worry about being left out, and don't be jealous. That's petty. All listeners can get 20% off your purchase by using my code AROUNDNFL. Just download and open your Wish app, find things that you didn't even know you needed, and enter my code AROUNDNFL for 20% off your... Life. Purchase! All right. Just do it. Just do it, you know? The ad's over. Ad do, ad's it, over.
4: do us a favor. I'm, I'm, asking the, I'm asking the listeners. Just do us a favor. Support all
2: right. us. Okay. Yeah, that's all. do that. But we're not going to be desperate about it either. If you like the product, use it. Yeah. We support it. Let's move to Sunday Night Football. Oh,
3: Sunday night.
2: Ben in the shotgun stands in
0: his end zone with two protectors. He's back. He waits. He fires down the field, and it's caught Dead run. That is Juju Smith Schuster. Foot race. 35-30. 25-20. 15-10. Pittsburgh Steelers touchdown. 98 yards.
2: Uh, officially 97 yards. Juju Smith Schuster with the play of the game. His touchdown in the third quarter. Uh, gave the Pittsburgh Steelers all the points they would need uh, on Sunday in Detroit. A 20-15 to 15 win over the Lions, who just have to be sick uh, in the locker room right now, Greg Rosenthal. Because they had five opportunities in the red zone against the Steelers. Uh, tonight, in their building in a very important game, and scored zero count them zero touchdowns
4: they had four hundred and eighty two yards in this game that when you see a number like that, you think in a team 's in the 30s, maybe the 40s, you only end up with fifteen points that 's the third most yards by an offense in NFL history without a touchdown and this Lion season would be so different if they could pick up a second and one or a third and one. This is not a one game problem. This has been a season long problem. They'd have two or three more wins if they could
2: do it. Oh, my goodness. I mean, Matthew Stafford, he's now done this twice in his career, which is insane. He's thrown for 400 yards and not a touchdown. Mm. 423 yards. He averaged 9.4 yards per attempt. Uh, he did not throw an interception. Drop some dimes tonight. Some very nice passes. He was certainly not the problem, but you know, and the thing I was thinking, Greg, and we talked about it while we were watching this game, there's you could point to any of those red zone possessions uh, that were kind of a mess, and the one while I'll, I'll I'll go with here is the last one where they had a chance to take the lead late in the fourth quarter. It's first and ten from I believe either eleven or twelve, and. They get it down, you know, inside the five, and then it's third down, and then it's fourth down, and you're looking at you're looking at that roster and you're saying, All right, who's gonna step up and make the play? They have some nice players on that roster, uh skilled players, but there's nobody that I really trust in that spot. And as much as the running game's a problem, to me, a true lack of a number one receiver, yeah. that's a big issue too. That that's
4: a huge problem. Uh, our friend Kevin Patra, you know, famous Lions fan. He says they lost because Jim Bob called a horrific game in the red zone. I think that's part of it. But a lot of it is they can't run the ball straight ahead to pick up a yard or two. And you just need to be able to do that as a team. And you got to give some love to the Steelers. For instance, on that last fourth down, they only rushed three. And Shazir, I believe it was, rushing up the middle. And, the and Dupree on the left side made Stafford get rid of the ball. On, when when you're dropping eight like that, the best you're hoping for is just to waste a lot of time and kind of improvise and someone gets open late and they made sure that didn't happen. So on a bad day in theory for
2: the, the Steelers' defense, they made all the big plays. And there's been some talk out there that perhaps the Steelers are too reliant on Uh, They're two big playmakers, Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. Uh, So consider this a good sign that uh, not a great Lev Bell game who had uh, 27 more touches but didn't really uh, do much, did score a touchdown. Uh, But Juju Smith-Schuster, the guy that just seems to be in the middle of everything, and you know Martavis Bryant, uh, inactive in this game is sick. Watching Juju go for 97 yards and a touchdown, and then have a whole choreographed act on the sideline, which I loved with uh, putting the chain on the bike and having uh, having fun all the all the teammates. He locked it up. Uh, he locked it up in a big spot. I mean,
4: Juju Smith-Schuster locked it up <laughs> first sure ever. Did.
2: He sure did. So, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster going seven for 193 and one. How about that? Um, so uh, he almost big doubled for the Steelers.
4: he almost doubled his total yardage for the season. It feels like Juju Smith Schuster's been everywhere because we were, you know, he's gotten a lot of run here with this bike routine with the Martavis Bryant back and forth. It's like Juju Smith Schuster, he it's all about him right now in Pittsburgh. He and yeah. the, he only had about 200 yards going into this game. He, he's a fun player to watch,
2: and Antonio Brown, you know, that's getting at him too. He's like, How, am I, how come <laughs> my, my bits aren't getting traction like that? And one, one last note, uh, from me, Greg. Um, I, have a, I had a, a legitimate Sessler. Sometimes we mm. we joke around on the show about having Sesslers or we don't actually have. I had a legitimate Sessler, a vision even, of Juju Smith-Schuster that first Sunday in February in Minneapolis riding that now famous bike on the field with confetti everywhere and his team are, teammates all wearing White t-shirts and caps. Wow. And all the NFL film crew following Juju on his bike. (laughs) After, of course, he has a nice game there. Two scores, a touchdown, and a Steelers Super Bowl win. Just just a Sessler had.
4: Check Weird. Checks out for me. You, you've been telling me all season, oh, well, why even play out the season? The Patriots will end up there. Well, I had the Steelers <laughs> in the Super Bowl going into this season, and their previous two games I thought were the most impressive two games by any AFC team all season, back-to-back, and they're not going to be that good every week. In the end, they get a road win here to put them at 6-2. and two. They're in a
2: great, great position right now in the AFC. I didn't believe it until I had that vision. Yeah, now everything's now, changed. Now you're on board. All right. Uh, that's it for the Sunday edition of the Around the NFL podcast. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday with our next show, and uh, as we teased uh, or revealed in our mailbag last Tuesday, we are going to stick a fork in some teams, and that's going to be tough, Greg. It's not going to be. I know you're not looking forward to it because it's a tough assignment, especially in a strange topsy turvy season such as this.
4: Well, I'm all about you know unpredictability unpredictability reigning, you know, that you never never count out anything. I'm not counting out this Lions team just because they're three
2: and four. All right. I like it. So uh, Mark will be back. Uh, Connie Fox will be with us and we'll we'll have a good time. So thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, That is it for today's show. And with that, this is Dan Hansen signing off. For Mark Zessler, the sizzler uh, in absentia, uh, the old boss, Lindsey Fulton, behind the glass. We will see you Tuesday.
1: Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
2: com.